Pray with me, please. Be with us this morning, God. Quiet our hearts. May our spirits be still, that we might hear from you. Amen. So this is obviously a very strange format for me to be preaching to you today. I am in my living room, and I have tried to preach this sermon as if it was a regular sermon three different times now. And the truth of the matter is it is so awkward and it is so clunky, and my attempt at trying to use these notes uh, is so difficult that I'm going to preach a sermon today in a way that I haven't preached a sermon in years. I'm a manuscript preacher. The manuscript is not working today, so I am going to try to just preach a message to you straight from the top of my head. And I hope that it will be meaningful to you. Today's gospel lesson comes to us from John chapter 9. It's the story of Jesus healing the blind man in Bethsaida. And it's a wonderful story. And it makes explicit a theme that is otherwise implicit throughout all of John's gospel. And that is the theme of those who think they have perfect vision being unable to see that which is patently obvious while those who are blind are, in fact, the ones most able to see. In John chapter 2, Jesus tells Nathanael that if he follows Jesus, he will see heaven opened. In John chapter 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus that he must be filled with the Spirit in order to see the kingdom of God. And all throughout the gospel, Jesus tells various characters this enigmatic line about the importance of being able to see. Well, this theme is important anytime, no doubt. This theme of being able to see that which is obvious and of how we often are blind to that which is right in front of us. This theme is important at all times, but I don't know that there is any time that is more important and more relevant than in the moment that we are currently living in. And so before we talk further about this passage in John chapter 9, I want to first tell you a story from my own life that I think gives a helpful window into the reality that Jesus is speaking of when he tells all these characters in John's gospel how important it is that they have their eyes opened and be able to see through the eyes of faith. It's a story from, as I say, my own life. And it's one that I've told folks at our church before, but one that I think bears repeating now. For a good deal of my life, it's important to know, I was really caught up in the desire to be seen, to be famous, to achieve, to, as a character in C.E. Morgan's novel, All the Living puts it, 
to live big in the world. And I was driven by this, and I had an idea of what I thought would constitute a meaningful life. Well, those plans did not pan out the way that I had hoped. And suddenly I found myself settling into a much quieter, much simpler life than the one that I had drawn for myself long before. Around this time, I felt a call to ministry. And around this time, April and I got married and soon thereafter, Ada was born. Suddenly, I was not living just for myself. I was living for two other people. And not long after that, I received a call to be the pastor of a church in Corbin, Kentucky, a wonderful town that I was blessed to live in for four years, a town that unless you are born there, you have probably never heard of. Well, that's all important background information for the story that I want to tell you this morning. We'd been living in Corbin for probably about six months. Juliana had been born. And this one night, April was in Juliana's room trying to put her to sleep. I was in Ada's room trying to put her to sleep. And like every night, I was rocking Ada to sleep and I was singing hymns to her. And as she fell asleep this night, I happened to be singing Amazing Grace. And there's nothing unusual about that. I would sing Amazing Grace to her virtually every single night. Well, I continued to sing the song as I carried her over to her crib. And as I went to lie her down, I was finishing the final stanza and I placed her in the crib and I stood over her and I looped back through with the beginning of that hymn. And as I stood over her singing, looking down on this child who along with her mother and her sister had so profoundly changed my life. As I looked down on her singing, I suddenly heard myself singing these familiar words. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I heard myself singing those words and considering this life that I was now living that not too long before would have seemed so unremarkable to me, so unmeaningful, so insignificant, yet now here this meant everything to me. Suddenly I realized this was all I'd ever wanted. I just had not known it until now. Suddenly my eyes were opened and I saw. Was blind, but now I see. I sang. Now I see. So that's the story. And I tell that story because I think that it is, at least I hope that it is, illustrative of this deeper reality that Jesus is calling folks to in John's gospel.
In John's gospel, we see Jesus increasingly pointing out that to trust in Christ's way is to suddenly see meaning in that which has heretofore seemed quite unremarkable. That it's to see opportunity and to see blessing in that which has been present and available all the while. This is a foundational realization of Christian faith. That to see the kingdom of God is to suddenly see life's greatest purpose in simple service to others and in simply spending time with one's most beloved, not in trying to affect utopia through grand schemes or in neglecting one's daily blessings due to our desire to achieve ever greater glory for tomorrow. Again, it is a foundational realization for Christian faith, which is why we see this realization happening over and over again throughout the New Testament. Not least, of course, to the Apostle Paul, who describes this exact experience in his letter to the Philippians, where he tells them about how impressive his resume is and about how proud he once was of his accomplishments, but about how he now considers all of that to be meaningless in light of the new call that has been placed upon him through Christ. And so to try to tie all of this together, I think that this realization that Jesus is calling folks to in John's gospel and that Jesus points us to here in John chapter 9, I think, that this, in a far less extreme but nonetheless resonant way, is what I experienced myself in that moment with Ada. In that moment, I experienced what Jesus was trying to tell Nathaniel about. And I experienced what Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus about. I experienced what Paul was trying to tell the Philippians about. In that moment by that crib, my eyes were opened. I saw heaven opened. I suddenly saw the kingdom of God and saw all that I had been blind to. And suddenly, like Paul, everything that had for so long seemed important to me, everything that for so long had seemed to be the essence of what life was supposed to be about, suddenly, in the light of this new call, all of that seemed insignificant to me. Now, I tell you all of this because I hope that it is a new frame through which to look at this famous story from John chapter 9. But here now is why I think John chapter 9 and this particular story of Jesus healing this particular blind man is important for us in this present moment. Right now, as we speak, we find ourselves isolated from one another and in many cases on quarantine. We find ourselves afraid to leave our homes, unable to go to our workplaces, the circumstances of tomorrow uncertain, the stock market is plummeting, the future of the economy hanging in the balance, our health and our loved ones' health suddenly threatened in ways we've seldom considered before, 
Right now, our entire approach to daily life seems in many ways under attack. And what's more, we don't know when this situation will change. We don't know when it will get better. We don't know when we'll return to our normal rhythms and routines. And so quite rightly, we are fearful of the future. And we're anxious about what's coming next. And we feel helpless to fix it or to change it or to make circumstances come about that we want. And thus we suddenly find ourselves like the Israelites in the wilderness, anxious over where the future is taking us and of how we're going to get there, but unable to control our circumstance, therefore forced to rely on the provisions of the present. And so here now is where I'm going with all of this. I told my story of insatiable yearning for more and of how I finally saw that I didn't need more because I already had enough. I told that story because I think that given our present circumstance, we do well to temper our fears and concerns about tomorrow by focusing on the provisions of the present and the blessings and the graces that even now surround us. Don't mishear me. I'm not saying that we have nothing to be concerned about or fearful of. We, of course, do. What I am saying is that we can be so blinded by our concern about the future and by our helplessness to control it that we can fail to see the abundant graces of the present moment. In so many ways, this is the foundational human story. This is the foundational human flaw, our inability to be content with the blessings around us due to our desire to have just a little more. It's a story as old as the garden, and it's a story that persists in us to this very day. And so having said that, let me now draw this sermon, this sermon and this strange situation under these extremely strange circumstances. Let me, let me now draw this sermon to a close by saying this. That blind man that we read about in John chapter 9, that blind man at Bethsaida, he had stood begging by that road in Jerusalem for many years. And for many years, people had hustled right by him paying him scant attention while his pleas for help faded into the background of their busy lives. But all the while, he had been right there. And then suddenly, the man who claimed to be Israel's Messiah happened upon him. And rather than go right past him, rather than overlook him in his busyness to get to where he was going, rather than that, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, saw this blind man there, and he stopped to attend to him. Unlike all of those others, Jesus saw him there. 
And because Jesus saw him and because Jesus stopped to be present to him and to sit with him, because of that encounter, the blind man's eyes were opened and suddenly like Jesus, now this man saw too. And it was no doubt a miracle, something that dazzled and disturbed the crowds looking on. But when later asked about it, when asked to explain how this man did this to him and under what authority, the no longer blind man simply said, how he did it, I do not know. All I know is this, whereas once I was blind, now I see. That is my prayer for us during this difficult moment, Boulevard Baptist Church. My prayer is that our eyes would be opened through this experience to the simple nature of the kingdom of God. Opened in such a way that our rightful concerns for the future would not prevent us from seeing the abundant blessings right around us. Our families, our shelter, our health, our daily bread, all of this and so much more. So much more. Yes, my prayer for us is that while the rest of the world, like the Pharisees in this story, hustle by these simple gifts due to overwhelming concerns about the contingencies of tomorrow, my simple prayer for us is that we, unlike those trapped by concern about what's coming next, my simple prayer is that we would have the capacity to attend to these simple gifts. And that in so doing, our eyes, like that blind man's, might be opened. That we might in this time see the kingdom of God right here before us. That we might see heaven opened by seeing all of the graces of the daily provisions that we have right here now, and that when asked how we are experiencing such center and calm through this turbulent moment, that we, like that blind man, like myself that night with Ada, might be able to say, all we know is this, whereas once we were blind, now we see. Might it be so. May the peace of Christ be with you. Amen.